Whoa, again. In the last episode, the CG Bros answered the question, who are the past pioneers of CGI VFX? That was a great episode, but it only took us to the year 2000. If you thought that episode was mind-blowing, there's a lot more to come, so stick around because in this episode, number 2146, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG Bros, will be doing a deep dive into the subject when they answer the commonly asked question, who is pioneering CGI VFX today? On the CG Bros, CG Insider Podcast. Welcome to the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us. In today's episode, we're going to answer a question from a fan, Kenneth B. from Temecula, California, that he submitted on our Ask Us Anything page at our website at thecgbros.com. Uh, we've discussed this topic briefly in a couple of previous podcasts, but today we're going to focus on it a little bit more together as we'll show some specific examples uh, when we discuss and answer the question, who are the current pioneers of CGI and VFX? And by the end of today's discussion, you will have learned who we believe are some of the current pioneers of CGI VFX and what makes their contributions uh, valuable for the future. Also, be sure to stay until the end of the podcast where we'll be reading testimonials by new media producers. We may even be reading your comment today, so who knows? Stick around. I'm Sean Johnston, one of your hosts for this edition of the CGI Insider Podcast. And I'm Bill Johnston. And together, we are the CG Bros. So let's uh, start discussing this, bro. What, uh, what do you got to say? Well, you know, we've talked a lot about the evolution of visual effects uh, over the, our podcasts and how they've changed over the years. And uh, computers have undeniably transformed how VFX are made, uh, as well as the quality of what we're seeing on the screen. And we've, we've mentioned that before. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's mainly driven by technological innovations that have been possible, really, uh, to allow us to see things that, that we just never before uh, seen in history. And so... Um, I'd just like to say before we get you know too heavily into the discussion, it's a pretty difficult task to map out the exact history of all of the modern day visual effects uh, innovations that have been made uh, because like any other art form, it's it's evolving. Yes, and it is subjective too. We we all have our personal preferences and things that have impacted us emotionally throughout our lives that uh, we can explain today, and and so it's not necessarily what you may think, but it's what we uh, think individually. Yeah, and if, it, if, if it's, you know, the industry is anything like the gaming industry is, and it is, um, you know, a lot of artists contribute to the success and failures of, of a project. And, uh, and in, in a way, failures are successes too, but uh, it, it takes, it's a lot of people to coming together to, to make these things happen. Yeah, so should we talk about uh, last time it was about the pioneer, the previous pioneers, and now these are current yeah, that was in the last century. So let's let's bring it up to date. Yeah, <laughs> so two thousand on, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh -huh. Well, hey, we can't we can't not mention some of the things that have impacted me. Um, to right around ninety seven to two thousand, right in that area. Yep. The Matrix, of course. That's that series to me. I believe was revolutionary not only because of the bullet time um, technology that they had with the multiple cameras. But then the, the computers that, that filled in the in-betweens of all those cameras, uh, and that, that whole shot was just uh, blew me away when I first saw it. And, and oh, it was exciting, massively yeah. exciting visually for me. Well, you know, it was definitely a landmark film for, for several reasons, but, you know, particularly from a, a VFX standpoint. And, uh, you know, the, I think, I think the, the fact that it had a, had a fresh concept and, and had, a, had a cool, you know, sexy actor and... 
uh, it, it just it just had all the right things going for it. I think that the the audience was pretty hungry for it at the time. I I agree a hundred percent. And yes, let's take a look at the the image uh, or the, actually the video of that. This uh, when he's on when Mio's on the top of the um, the rooftop downtown, and he's being fired at by one of the agents. This this whole scene here when he's on a uh, I guess he's on wires on a, in a green screen. I thought was just pretty amazing when I had first seen that. Yeah, um, also, when before he shot him, he, I mean, he was trying to sh remember he was shooting at him, and he just unloaded all. I mean, used up all of his bullets, and the agent was like you know warping all over the place. I thought that was a cool effect too. That's oh, a good shot. That's yeah, a good scene. It's I amazing. That one a lot. There wasn't it. There wasn't interesting. I remember looking at the. Uh, when I first saw it, it was odd at the very end of the movie when he's, um, you know, going, going against the three agents and he's in the, he gets up and he does that kick mm -hmm. and he does kind of moves his leg around. I wish I could show that. It just, it looked like it's so weird the way he did that. It looked like it was on a wire. So. How about, uh, what do you think about um, the, our next one, The Hollow Man? What do you think about that one? I thought The Hollow Man was a, was a pivotal example of, of three, 3D um, humanoid or human uh, internal organs, uh, the skin, everything for that time. Right around 2000, I thought a, a digital human was, was really well executed by, um, in that movie. Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and and that that movie actually introduced a pretty pretty new uh, and innovative uh, technology called volume rendering, um, and it was uh, they had developed special volume rendering software that was created to actually uh, replicate the inside of Kevin Bacon's body. Um, you know, the shot shows you know Kevin Bacon's character Sebastian disappearing in stages as after he's taken the uh, the serum. And you know, first it's this, you know, his skin dissipates and, and, and disintegrates, uh, followed by his muscles and, th and then his organs, uh, including his lungs and his heart. And you can actually see the arteries tracing tracing out and the blood vessels shriveling up. It's, it's, and then finally his skeleton. It's a pretty amazing uh, shot. And they actually have a gorilla that does something similar. Oh, you're right. That, that was, there was two hero characters in that. There was the gorilla and then there was Kevin Bacon's character. So the, the, this film was the first to create a, dig, dig, a detailed CGI character uh, of an actor and match that animation to a live action plate. So Sony Picture Image Works was the one that worked on that and they coined the term rotomation. Uh, but it's often referred to as rotoanimation or rotoanim. The roto obviously comes from that term rotoscoping, which was that technique invented by uh, Max Fleischer and of course used in many Disney animated films. So we know that one. You want to take a look at that? Definitely. Let's, let's take it. a look at that one. And there's a, a the beginning. Okay, so shooting in the blue dye to us. Interesting. Um, I didn't know Josh Brolin was in this this movie. I totally forgot. Look at Kevin Bacon, man. Oh, and so so you could see where the mummy. They use that in the mummy's face. Remember, they're doing the the tracking of his skin, kind of wearing away. Yeah. And those internals. Oh man. Look at that. That's great. And you can see the skull, the, the muscle tissue. That's definitely anatomically correct. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that looks amazing. Wow. Fantastic. That's, yeah, that really scene impressive. was really, really well done. 
And then what about Gladiator 2000? That was right, right around 2002 when when um, the Gladiators first came into the, the Roman Colosseum. They had, they had built part of the, the practical effects going up to, I think, one or two levels max. And then they just went ahead and expanded it with the digital. Um, uh, actually, it was the, I think it was the first time um, they used um, pictures or, or, or scans of high-resolution scans for the texture maps that they put on the 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 um, the parts that weren't obviously that were not practical. So I thought that it was pretty amazing when they walked into that first thing and looked around and saw all the cheering crowd that was uh, for the original Coliseum before it crumbled down. Yes, and I and I, I have to say, you know, credit goes out uh, to all the hardworking folks over at Way to Digital. Their their team, uh, they've got a lot of of really inspired engineers and programmers over there, artists as well, and they created several new technologies that really shaped the, the movie industry, and that was one of them. Uh, they they not only pioneered just some absolutely fantastic advances in motion capture, uh, but they they did uh, crowd simulation as well. With a, they created a, a fantastic piece of software called uh, Massive, uh, and they used that to, to uh, do a lot of the crowd uh, scenes in Gladiator and Troy and Lord of the Rings and, and, and many, many others, but this it's still in use today, but um, it, it allowed for thousands uh, of people um, to what they actually call agents in the massive software program and allows them to just basically act independently so that you can create huge orc armies say that you know fight within certain parameters of course and yes and that also brings us to lord of the rings of course who can forget that to me that was a pivotal moment uh, also using massive with those massive crowds um well, that's how those, they did middle earth yeah in those, the opening chapter exactly yeah the fight scenes uh all of the um all of the creatures, you know, the the gigantic. Uh, what 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 did they call those um, those elephants? I, I can't remember the name of those things, but just all of the all of the uh, the, the immense um, the scenes that you would see with all of these different characters throwing, uh, you know, launching big boulders at uh, at the city, and um, it, it was it was pretty impactful when I first saw that. I just I couldn't believe I was seeing all the all those AI characters fighting each other. It was just really well done. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know I, I'm not so sure that teaching AI computers how to wage war is is a is a great idea myself. But you know, for for, for the purposes of uh, VFX, uh, let it roll. Well, I know that Massive was pretty much you know Weta, right? They they had the they had uh, had that uh, as a technology with their own company. Um, now you can even get uh, Gollum as uh, a plug-in for Maya that you can use, and you can generate your own massive battles that have little AI. Um, so you can do that yourself as well. It's, super, it's super kind cool. of interesting they call it Gollum because Wayda also pioneered uh, motion capture so- or facial capture software uh, that they used to to uh, and, and and motion capture software kind of together to try to to create uh, to the Gollum in the in the Lord of the Rings series. Absolutely. the The other thing uh, I you know, I want to go back to to the Matrix Revolutions or and Reloaded. Remember the the scene that I thought was uh, their their technology where they digitally scanned Agent Smith and Neo, um, those the, the actors Hugo Weaving and um, and of course, uh, Keanu, uh, their faces were so digitally, uh, they, I, I guess the technology that they used, I don't remember the exact uh, one where they had them in the volume where they were taking pictures of all sides of them and they would have the extreme facial uh, expressions that they would make. 
and then and I, they put. I think this, it was called uh, Universal Capture, is what, is what it was called. It's they, well, even then, fa- fantastic how they did that, where it looked so real side by side. I, I saw. Uh, I'm, I don't have it with us today, but maybe we can show that on a future podcast where they have side by side where they have the original, the real actor, and then you've got the digital right next to it, and it's super hard. I mean, I did notice some of the hair didn't didn't quite match, but everything else, the skin. The you know the subsurface scattering looked right. That the coloring of the you know, the hair follicles that were underneath shaven uh, and the skin looked so real. Uh, in fact, I thought the scene where that that super punch that that um, Neo lays on Agent Smith was was fantastic during this fight scene here. So he's got this in the water. I thought that was such an amazing scene where his fist is going through the water droplets in slow motion and just blasts the Agent Smith's face. Oh. It looks real. It looks amazingly real. How that hold deformed like that? You and, see the imprint on his cheek. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's see it one more time. Wow, look at that! Just coming through, blasting through the water, and then smash. It would have been cool to see some of his teeth fall out there on that in that one as well. <laughs> and you definitely see some spit flying out of the corner of his yeah his lips there. <laughs> yeah, it looked really good. Really, really good. And then, of course, their freeway chase was pretty, pretty um, amazing as well. I guess it, it that particular one was uh, they built a they had a freeway that hadn't been built yet, and they were just it was a whole section they filmed the whole car chases. In fact, it was the most thrilling freeway car chase I'd seen in in, in film history. So they yes, used- I think it was actually a, a parking lot. I think it was a parking lot they, where they actually built uh, the freeway on the parking lot. And have very high walls because they they chose that location specifically. I think because you could have the, you had the city skyline in the background, and they didn't have to fake it. It was that that was the real city back there. Yeah, and it, and it looked you know obviously it looked real because it, it looked like a practical set. I love when they integrate the CGI with practical sets. They they it, to me it I would think we were talking about last time where they um, certain directors will use won't use a lot of CGI. They'll use real uh, like I was saying before some of the the Batman movies where you had the trucks actually exploding and it wasn't a CG truck. And just, you get that same feel because it's a real street. It's not a, it's not a digital city. Uh, you, you know, we, like I said, we, you, we can tell subconsciously what's real and what's not. There's, there's very rarely that we won't. Maybe I'm being biased because I, I see it all the time. And when I see movies, I know you do this, right, Bill, where you, you go to a movie and you pick it apart and you look and see, oh yeah, that, that must've been a junior VFX, uh, compositor on that scene you know because they're, they're trying to get as many scenes done as possible because they get the deadlines right it so, really makes it hard to yes and it really makes it hard to to focus on the the, the quality of the movie and to to suspend your disbelief uh, right just because of that I, I think being working in the industry it's it's almost natural that you tend to do that well let me let me go into the spider-man the first one in marvel's uh, spider-man 2002 I really, when I first saw that one, for me, groundbreaking, it was, I had arrived. It was, it was first for me, it was the most believable, uh, realistic comic book character um, being animated on the screen. The, yeah, the character animation d- that was depicted was was very realistic and true to the comics, it seemed. Yes, the, the, yeah, that, that amazing animation sequence at the end of the movie when Tobey Maguire is kissing MJ at the cemetery, that blew me away and actually gave me chills. As uh, Spider-Man hit all of those iconic comic comic book poses, like you said, um, I had had long to see those in reality, reality, right? 
So let's take a look at that. This, this is one of my favorite scenes out of all. This will, this will send a tingle up our leg, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, look how smooth that is. Just, wow, the organic motion of that and the, um, the poses that he's hitting on there is just, just so smooth. Wow, look at that. Yep, there's a comic book, blam. He's got his legs split, shooting his web. Really cool around the... Um, the skyscrapers, and then he's going to land on the pole at the very end with the American flag. I love that. And then he's just going to swing right by the camera, and it cuts. Super, super cool. Did you, did you know that, that that wasn't the first trailer? Or there's a trailer that was actually made for that movie that had the Twin Towers in it? And yeah, I did hear some controversy about that, and I heard they had to remove them. Yeah, after the terrorist attacks, uh, and obviously September 11, 2020, uh, 2001, uh, Sony recalled that teaser uh, which showed close-ups of Spider-Man's uh, with the skyline with the World Trade Trade Center towers. The um, they had a one of the uh, scenes in there was there this helicopter is chasing through the scene, um, going through the the city, and then all the very very end. I guess they they were um, uh, you know um, robbers or you know they were they were thieves or whatever were breaking into something, and then at the very end you saw the the um, the web between the two towers that had the helicopter stuck in it. And that was cool. That was a cool, cool scene. You can actually go on YouTube and see that if you, if you do a search for it. I was curious if they still had that on there. Yep. 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 Well, you know, another a great landmark movie and uh, technology was uh, shown in the, po- you know, shown in Polar Express. And we've talked a lot about this Christmas classic. And I don't know what you're talking of, about. Most of it hasn't been good, <laughs> but you know, this was the first 3D computer animated film created using motion capture to animate every character of the film. That was that was a, a, a landmark uh, film for that. Yeah. And a lot of the characters were actually played by Tom Tom Hanks himself. Yeah, it was. You know, of course, it was criticized because of having the lifeless, you know, clone looking human characters. And he played every uh, so many of the different characters he played, um, you know, the hero boy, the father, the conductor, the hobo, Scrooge. And Santa Claus, of course, in the same film. I thought that that was the weird thing about it. I, I didn't notice it at first, but then a buddy of mine, you know, said that. And we went up to Sony Imageworks once and we're looking at uh, behind the scenes and they're showing us some of the rigging of some of the characters and some of the other movies they were working on at the time. And I remember um, one of the animators that I was working with asked one of the, uh, asked the, I guess, one of the producers who had worked on Polar Express not Robert Zemeckis, he wasn't there, but just one of the, maybe the lead animator about <laughs> about why uh, they decided to use Tom Hanks and all those three characters and or four characters, right? One, two, three, four, five, maybe five. Uh, why he did that and he didn't uh, take that very well. I thought that was pretty yes, funny. Yes, and the 2004 Sky Captain. Uh, this movie won't be remembered as a great movie either for many reasons. Well, that was Angelina uh, you- Jolie in that one, right? You know, it's hard to, it's hard. Yep. Even still, even still, uh, it, it just, it didn't have to be a bad movie, but, uh, it was the first movie to, to, uh, use entirely all CG backgrounds with live actors. Uh, the actors were filmed basically all their scenes in front of a green screen and without any background sets, uh, or anything like that. And, uh, I think, I think they may have added some props, but no, definitely no background sets. And, uh, of course it's much cheaper to do it that way, but it, it allows for it was kind of a new new thing, and uh, it, I think it was they chose to do that be, not only for the reason it was cheaper, but it uh, it allowed for the director wanted a lot of creative freedom. Uh, See, I, I liked I like that idea. I, I like when it's done well. I thought Sin City was done really well. To me, when I first saw that visually, I thought because I liked Frank Miller, I liked the comic book, 
yeah, it's brutal and it's kind of, um, you know, violent, but I really enjoyed the, the look of that, co- that comic book feel where everything was black. I guess they, they filmed everything in color and then used digital uh, manipulation to, you know, take all the color and saturation out of it, but except for the particular actors where they oversaturated things, which I thought was just beautiful. I mean, it looked just like the comic. Did you, yeah, did, I, did you go with me to see that? I did. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I remember dad saying, um, I, I, he had no comment at the end of that movie. He just did <laughs> not know what to say. It was, <laughs> he was kind of speechless with that one. Well, let's move on to Spider-Man 2, uh, also in the year 2004, I think. Uh, John Dykstra uh, did some, some really great work, and Scott uh, Stoddick did, did uh, some great, really v- good, great VFX work. And that, that, this is basically, and, I, oh, and John Frazier as well, don't want to forget him. But uh, this, is, this, this really sh- showed some advances in particle simulation. I don't know if you remember, it was used to create the, the intelligent sand effects for the Sandman. Mm-hmm. Um, in the opening sequence of the film, uh, after you know, this, the, the guy gets zapped by a radioactive uh, whatever it was, uh, streams of sand start to come to life and and pull together to to form his body. It was like it was like the birth sequence of the Sandman. It was it was uh, I believe done in a one one take as well, or not one take, but I mean one one scene without any camera cuts. Right. Somebody told me what, that was Sony Sony Imageworks as well. When they when they did that scene, I've seen their render farm and it's massive. It's it's huge. It almost reminds me of Amazon building um, all those servers and and just rendering that scene they said that was the most one of the most at the time was like one of the most complicated scenes they had done because every because of all that sand uh, all the particles they wanted to look real and that was that was an amazing i can't remember how many you know millions and millions of of bits of sand that was but yeah that was a pretty impressive scene at the time well not just from a rendering standpoint but from an intelligent sand standpoint they actually were the sand would would grow and, and and animate as a character it was it was a pretty amazing thing at the time very very groundbreaking uh, well then that brings us yes back into king kong to me the the most realistic um digital uh, ape that i had ever seen at the time i thought in the fight scene between the t-rexes or the the yeah the T-Rexes and and King Kong I thought the, the was probably one of the most breathtaking scenes I had seen uh in any movie and it brought me back to the original you know Willis O'Brien um animated movie that uh you always see and there was some so um, homage to that from some of the animators let's take a look at that scene that was a really cool scene and this is at the end when there's one left and he's he's going to be fighting fighting it and he does the uh pulling the the uh oh gosh tore the uh the tongue out of its mouth with his mouth <laughs> and now he's trying to pull the uh, the jaws apart that uh the hair on that is just amazing on king kong and the the animation is just fantastic wow look at that he's gonna he's pulling uh pulling the mouth apart right now smacking him down i highly recommend is if you haven't seen that movie that that one's a really really good one. Oh, there it is yeah so here's here's the very Emory is an homage where he grabs the jaw and kind of plays with it. <laughs> That's awesome. That there, this is when we really start to see some really great creature animation. Okay, hair and sorry. Fur and 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 actually, you know, muscles. It, it was really a great time for creature animation, I think. And and uh, you know, and not that you know far up the line, 2007. And then we get kind of the opposite, which was uh, Transformers. I mean that. That was a groundbreaking film, if if I've ever seen. What did you like best about that one? You know, it was a visual spectacle. It was a it was a it was like 
a, a fireworks show uh, with animation. It was it, it combined with the the what seemed to be uh, thousands of parts. I, I I just really enjoyed the the tech of it, the tech look of it, the the rendering of it was was great. Uh, and and not only that, but they. That was the first time I think they were really able to depict, and I, I found this to be quite impressive uh, myself. Was depict the scale of these robots. You know, they did giant fly rounds uh, that that really uh, played well to to depicting the, the scale of them. And I think that was really the key to to a lot of the shots was was their massive scale. I bet it was because it brought you back to the old giant robot days, right, Johnny Sacco? Oh, Sean, <laughs> you wanted to see a robot, right? That's that's right. That's right. Yes, or, or Ultraman days. Yeah, those uh, that was pretty pretty uh, impressive. I do I do like the the whole smoke and mirrors things where there's parts moving all over the place, and you know they're hiding this and moving that in front of it and rotating it in. That that was, it is pretty cool. Uh, I I have to agree with that for sure. Well, I was I was an Ultron fan too. Uh, Were you? I didn't yeah. know that. You're well, right. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. You know, I mean, there's a, there's another one I, I'd like to go into is. Should we go into the Pirates of the Caribbean? Should, I mean, there's so many. There's so many. Really, we could go into Avatar. I, Pirates of the Caribbean for me, Dead Man's Chest was probably my favorite. Um, that that particular one where you have, um, I mean, take take a look at this of of um, of one of the main characters in the movie here. That's Davy Jones. I mean, I, to me, I think the technology they used in. In um, his his the motion capture, I think some people even thought that he was wearing a prosthetic. Um, the actor, um, fantastic! And look at the skin on that. That's just that's, oh man, it's just amazing. Where he's he's actually um, trying to steal the key from him while he's he's asleep at the organ. Orlando Bloom, fantastic! Oh gosh, that is such a great scene. To me, I thought that was one of the most revolutionary thing was seeing that the CG of Davy Jones. I thought that just blew me away. You know, Sean, as we mentioned in our last podcast, I think it's worth probably repeating uh, here again today. We are continuing to ste- step up onto the shoulders of giants here uh, in this industry. And uh, it's it's a culmination of, of so many people's efforts and expertise and skills. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what kind of innovations, are, you know, come in the next decade. 100%. I, I agree with that. I, you know, I, there's there, we could have a couple, we could have like five or six of these really, because there are so many. And yes, there there a lot of them are just personal um, avatar as well, and some of the other ones we could bring into the, into the uh, the fold here. You know, gravity we we didn't even mention we did we did mention a lot about the LED walls of, of contemporary things um, like gravity, where they're using an LED light box um, back in 2013 uh, to uh, to simulate the you know the weightlessness of um, space, and so they had the box around them. So that, to me, I thought was pretty amazing. And then, of course, now we, we'll say it again, the Mandalorian. So that's the, the latest version of it. And I, I pretty much think that that's where all of that's going as far as doing background and get ready, get, getting rid of green screens. I really think this is probably one of the things that's going to make them very rare. Yeah, I think they're going to be obsolete myself. And, and advances in technology and hardware and software tools. I mean, there's there's thousands of micro innovations and, and micro advances in, in software and micro advances in tools and micro landmarks being achieved. That yeah, it's 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 hard to it's, it's not it's really rare that it's just one person uh, 
that's that's responsible for any of this stuff. But uh, do you have a, a video wall you want to show? I do. I do. Here's here's just a, a scene from The Mandalorian, of course, that has the video wall in the background, and you can you can see they're just on the stage, and you can rotate it around. And at different points to, and it'll actually do the matching of the camera in the background. So it actually moves and occludes everything else out of the camera's view, or it, it has the parallax, it, it changes the parallax of the camera while you're moving and it does a perfect shot uh, with the actor included in the scene. So it's, and of course all the lighting is just perfect for that. Yeah. It's tracking the cinematographer's camera and filming, you know, filming it in real time. That's pretty neat. Yeah. That's, I think that's definitely the future. You know, it's interesting. Most of the innovations that are made in CGI and VFX come through filmmakers being challenged, you know, in their filmmaking process. You know, a lot of them are driven by uh, demands from the clients and, of course, uh, the public. You know, the public demands a pretty pretty sophisticated level of CGI these, these days. And actually, even more significant than that is probably... Um, it's just the stress of, of you know, some of them are born from just trying to create something that's never been done before. I, I think that's 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 the, 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 the catalyst of creation. Right. And then them looking at what has done been done in the past and they say, OK, we've we can use this and then and then build on top of that and actually make it more grand or bigger. Yeah. To the next level. Right? To the next level. Yeah. To 11. So, hey, this brings us to the end. Uh, why don't we uh, go through our our. Uh, our mailbag or our uh, testimonials uh, that we've got. And, and uh, Where so do these testimonials come from there. They, they come from, uh, you they, might be wondering. They come from the, yeah, well, they come from our website and you can go there as well. And there's a, there's a, a page there that we can, you can get access to. You can, well, obviously they the ask us anything page, right? Yep. And yep. And, and so, and these, but these, I think these particular testimonials, they'll come from uh, new media producers who, who have, uh, uh, New media producers who, who create videos. And I don't know if, if you folks know, we have a YouTube channel that we actually put new media producers' videos up on. And I think these comments might be from uh, some of those folks. Absolutely. So here's the first one from uh, Lee Han Fernandez. Uh, the CG Bros has been a big part of my inspiration. Hence, I would like, to, uh, would like my work, which has gratefully been accepted, uh, to be showcased on your channel so that it could be potentially inspires or be an inspiration to others like me. I thought that was great because that that's definitely why we got into doing what we did and why we created the channel to begin with was for inspirational pr- purposes. I'm so glad you, uh, I love that comment or love that uh, testimonial. Yes. And uh, this next testimonial is from Hen House Productions. We've always appreciated that the CG Bros run a platform to share films of various creators, both big and small. So they reach a wider audience. It's a great uh, outlet for student films like ours. And since we don't have much presence on our, on our own, just yet to share our film to a wider audience. Uh, we love uh, working with the work the CG Bros does to offer a platform for these films, and would love to contribute to the channel. So thanks, Hen House Productions. That's a, that's really a great great comment. We and we we do. Uh, I think that's basically what why, why new media producers you know give us their films is because they, they need a wider audience. They want to get the feedback from the real world. They want to really see how their films perform uh, out in the in the audience, and that's. No better audience than 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 a YouTube audience. So. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's are there are some trolls out there, but for the most part, I think it's pretty pretty civil. Uh, Brendan Carroll uh, says uh, you're promoting the short film medium to a diverse audience around the world. You give artists exposure in a competitive field. Agree, hundred uh, percent, Brendan. That it definitely is a competitive field, uh, but everyone uh, there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of different people. You know, as well. Uh, 
I'd have to say, you know, it is a competitive field in the sense also that when you're putting, I mean, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of video going up on YouTube every minute or every hour. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, and, and how are you going to ever be found in that ocean of videos on YouTube? Uh, pretty you tough. Have, you know, it is pretty tough. Yeah, so that's where we, that's where we come in. That's right. So do you have anything else as far as any of the testimonials or you want to move? Uh, want to... No, I think that's it for today. All right. Uh, you know. Well, thanks again for being part of our podcast today. We really enjoyed talking to you and answering uh, Kenneth's question. Who are the current pioneers of CGI and VFX? We hope you got a lot out of it and that you're coming our way uh, with an appreciation for the current innovators of today's CGI and VFX and why it's so uh, such an exciting and ever-changing industry. And love showing you our examples that we had. You learned some, uh, some of the newest uh, techniques. We talked about LED walls and some of the newest techniques that they have for motion capture and innovations created by artists and studios, forging new paths. And you heard some of our professional insights and some of our favorite examples. Do us a favor and let us know what you think of this podcast in the comment section below. Give it a like and pass it around, especially if you enjoyed it or found it valuable in some way. We really enjoy uh, reading your comments and we'll take the good, the bad, and the ugly because we're working hard to make our podcast better and you can help us do that. You really can. Uh, we do a brand new episode of the CG Insider podcast every week and we discuss uh, topics uh, that are different that relate to the business art and the craft of CGI animation and digital effects as well as other interesting and related subjects that come to our attention. Uh, let us know if uh, some of the questions you might have, uh, ask us, uh, or it doesn't have to be about CGI, it could, could really, well, we prefer that it is, but uh, head over to our website at thecgbros.com and, and to the About Us uh, tab and to the Ask Us Anything uh, menu item, and uh, it's, easy as, it's as easy as that, uh, not too hard. Uh, I know we're both looking forward to seeing you back here for next week's podcast, where we'll be answering a related question, actually. Uh, what are the best CGI moments in film? Oh, that's going to be that, great. That's a great. That's a great dovetail uh, to to the last two podcasts. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's keep that discussion going. I, I I can't wait for that one. We'll see you here next week. Stay healthy now. Bye bye. Bye. Well, that's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question: Who is pioneering CGI VFX today? Thanks for being with us. If you're watching us on YouTube and you enjoyed the experience, please give us a thumbs up and be sure to leave a comment too because we might share your comment on a future podcast and mention you by name. Also, please share the video with your friends on social media. If you're not yet following us on our channel, please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing is free. And ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. If you're listening to us on the audio-only version, please leave a comment. Oh, and don't forget to tell all your friends that they, too, can enjoy the audio-only version on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you can share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. Contact us on our website at thecgbros.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, what are the best CGI moments in film? This has been episode 2146 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.